0: To the To Mom podcast. My name is Valerie Propsfeld. Please join me as we encourage mothers to live their verb while also practicing self-grace. The goal of this podcast is to promote love as an action and live life more authentically. Just think about it. In five generations from now, you will have approximately 30 descendants, and the number keeps getting larger and larger. We have more power as moms than we realize. Motherhood, in my opinion, is the most important job in the world. I'm going to talk today about post-traumatic stress in healthcare. And I feel that it's grossly misrepresented on both the patient, the family, as well as the provider side. And I experienced it when my baby was in the neonatal intensive care unit. And I didn't realize that and so I don't know, maybe like a year or so later, that that's what occurred. And I feel like, you know, we are beginning to talk more about um, trauma, PTSD, emotions in general, but there still is so much more that we can do and talk about amongst ourselves. And... I don't want to downplay PTSD like in the veteran population because that's absolutely a thing. I also want to bring awareness to the fact that PTSD is also a thing in healthcare um, when our children are hospitalized or have procedures, or, or when we ourselves or other family members, um, or as a healthcare provider on the other side, you know, we can also experience that both, you know, on the patient side as well as the provider side. So I want to get this conversation going. I think it's a very important conversation to have. And I am not an expert on PTSD. I don't, I don't know much about it from, you know, a treatment standpoint. That is not my, that's not my role. And I don't want to say that I really know anything about it from that standpoint. Um, I mean, I am a nurse practitioner, but I'm a family nurse practitioner. We don't do those things. But... What I am an expert in though is my experience, what I felt like in the NICU, what my feelings were afterwards. And I know other moms feel the same way. They are experts in how they feel and their mom instincts. And that is so, so important. And I feel like that is something that we have to honor and advocate for ourselves as moms of our children and our families so um since I don't know as much about PTSD I decided to read up on it and there's just uh, there are there there are a lot of uh, books and you know um, talks and stuff about it so it there is resources but what I want to try and do is uh, make people more aware of it and so I found um, The international expert, one of the international experts on PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, Dr. Beazel Van Der Kolk, he has a book called uh, The Body Keeps Score. And it was a very fascinating, interesting read. It was an intense read, but I felt like a lot of what he talked about was very applicable. Um, And he states in his book, being able to move and do something to protect oneself is a critical factor in determining whether or not a horrible experience will leave long-lasting scars. And many times when we're in the hospital or our child is in the hospital, we cannot move, right? We are stuck in that room. And for better or for worse, we are right there. And um, so that makes sense to me, that you could experience for... You know, sometimes years to come, reminders when you're reminded of that original situation going right back in your mind to it. And I also want to touch base on the fact that as moms in general, just not even talking about PTSD, we're just too hard on ourselves. We really are. And like I remember one day when my baby was in the NICU, out of complete exhaustion, I um, slept for maybe like five hours if that but at a hotel like next to the hospital um and that wasn't you know I I don't know what day it was that how long we were there before but it was just kind of like a desperate thing like I have to just get away for for a little bit and that is totally normal we we should be taking care of ourselves but as moms that is unnatural like we do not want to leave our baby we don't and I remember just waking up in tears that night, pumping and just desperate to get back to the NICU. And when I got to the NICU, my baby was hysterical. And it was just so gut-wrenching for me to see. And, you know, but in the grand scheme of it, my baby... Is not going to remember that experience. Like the baby was under appropriate care. It was okay. My baby was just fine. But I think I'm always gonna remember that. I am always gonna remember that situation. Um, so it, I feel like it essentially like branded my brain that memory. And it reminded me of a situation when I was in college. So I was taking a walk, and a German shepherd came out of nowhere. Like, I was walking, I saw this dog, and it just... At first, it looked friendly, but it then ran up like it ran up to me like I made eye contact with it I didn't like do anything to provoke it to come over I just like saw it for a second while I was walking it must have felt threatened or something so it ran up to me like incredibly fast and just grabbed my arm and like would would not let go um just clamped down and in the moment while the dog was on my arm I felt no pain. It was just an intense amygdala reaction, like that fear center to somehow get my arm out of the dog's jaws. Um it was probably only for a few seconds. I mean luckily uh, there were uh, there were people around that helped and the dog's owner came but it seems like an eternity time, like actually slowed down. And I know, um, on the Huberman lab podcast, um, Andrew Huberman also, um, talks about that. He's a neuroscientist and has a very interesting, um, podcast in one of his episodes. He talks about time physically slowing down in these moments and kind of goes into the, you know, the, the neuroscience aspect of it, but it, it truly did. And, um, My amygdala instantly ordered that fight, flight, or freeze response. My mind hyper-focused on every detail of the attack. Uh, The dog's eyes and the way it shook my wrist from side to side. And even though this happened such a long time ago, I can still feel the dog's grip as I type or as I think about it. Like right now I'm talking about it. I can feel it. Um, It's like that phantom pain almost um, that I can still feel. And I know phantom pain is a bit different, but um, you know, it's just—I could still feel that um, if I allow my brain to go there again. And my brain registered that moment and marked the sight and sound of any German Shepherd that runs up to me or walks up to me in a in a quick manner as danger, and I will immediately go into a um, my my mind and my body will go into like a panic state. Um, so. So this is similar to when we have PTSD. So like for me, for example, I, it was very hard for me to go to doctor visits afterwards. I, I went straight back in my mind to that, to those feelings, the NICU feelings. And um, it triggered those intense remind, reminders of time travel back to that original event. And from that moment on, I was scared and triggered by everything that, like, even remotely reminded me of the NICU. And in fact, you know, interestingly, I also became like that German Shepherd. Like, if I was reminded of it, I got, I, I like, verbally would snap at people. Like, who, like, it, it's almost like it was that fight mode. Like, there's the flight mode of it, but there's the fight mode. And like, I would get frustrated when, um people didn't understand how I was feeling. Like I was just frustrated. Um, Like when we had um, times that we had to see providers uh, subsequently, like I just didn't want to even talk with them. I didn't. And and I I did, obviously. I mean, obviously I do need to do those things, but my mind, you know, it just kind of went there. I was not paying attention. Um, I had to have... My husband, Matt, kind of helped with that um, because my mind was somewhere else. It was somewhere else. Um, Well, I know exactly where it was. It literally time traveled. Like, it was a time machine. And um, other times, you know, I I wanted to collapse. Like, I just, the stress was just too much. The lack of control kind of brought me to, it brought me to my knees sometimes. Um, During one procedure, I was given a buzzing pager, um, like the ones that we used to get to, like, waiting tables at a restaurant. I think Panera still may do that, uh, some of the Panera's. And even now, when I get one of those, it's like, oh, I do not want this pager, I don't want it. Because as long as I had this red beeping thing, um, I knew that my child was in the care of someone else. Um, So when I had that back then, um, during the procedure, I just kept praying, I remember, like, for safety, like, keep keep my baby safe. And as I carried it around, it, it, it like, taunted me. I remember, like, holding it and just trying to think of safe memories. And it wasn't, like, a, a conscious thing. I remember during this particular procedure, like, it was um, around the holidays so I was just kind of looking at the holiday decorations and it reminded me of my grandma's house as I as a child and all of her um, like Victorian caroler decorations and the sparkling snow on top of all those um, little like holiday houses and it reminded me of safety, and that's what my brain needed at that point in time. It, it needed to be reminded that I am safe, that my baby is safe, and and that's safety is something that Dr. Uh, Vander Kolk talks about. So, um, you know, your experience, or if, you ha- if you've had experiences similar or know someone, it may not be the same. I'm just kind of sharing what mine was. And, um, but I think it is important to talk about. It really is, um, and, I mean, obviously, talking about it to a trusted, um, you know, a trusted professional or with a, a trusted family member, or your healthcare provider. Um, but it is helpful to um, kind of just make. I feel like we need more awareness of this because it is a real thing and it's an important thing to talk about. Okay, so um, you know, I write a little bit about internal thunderstorms. Our bodies can produce internal thunderstorms. Many times when a real storm passes, it can create damage through high winds and lightning. According to the National Severe Storms Laboratory, most multicell storms last for about 30 to 60 minutes. However, the suffering post-storm can last much longer. After a tornado, for example, rips through a town with visible damage, Individuals and communities reach out to those who need help. Our internal storms may not be as visible to others, but that does not mean we should press on alone. Invisible mental health struggles are just as real as thunderstorms and their damage. Many times our mental health is silent to others, but deafening to us. It can take vulnerability and a leap of faith to ask for support. However, help from others is often what we need after a storm. Um, so I encourage you to um, reach out if you experience scary weather or continual great skies. Uh, reach out to your, your counseling, doctors, doctors. Um, you know, uh, there's just so many resources. I know my last podcast, we talked um, more about OCD, but we talked about some resources there. Um, also, like, uh, I'll post some resources, but, and there's always the suicide hotline if you ever need that. Um, so just know that you're not alone, okay? After a storm occurs, anxiety may make you be on long-term alert. Um for example, like I may spend subsequent potential sunny days worrying about future storms. I can obsess about the seven-day forecast and future chances of rain. I will bring my umbrella with me even if it's objectively sunny. And if someone asks why I have my umbrella since it's sunny, I may snap and become like that German Shepherd and say, well, I need this umbrella for when it rains. I continually scan the horizons for storms until my mind becomes occupied by something else. Once we are in a strong anxiety loop, it may be harder to practice backroads. roads. Um, so I feel like sometimes it can help for me talking to God and how to keep moving forward. Um, maybe like giving um, my fears to God or um, to higher power, or to you know, just having your worries float down a river, and remembering it may rain later, but it helps to remember the brightness of the present moment. Dr. Ron Siegel states that we are usually safe in the present moment, and we're time traveling a lot. I mean, we time travel to the future with what ifs. We time travel to the past with ruminations and memories. But you know what? Time travel is a very lonely place. We don't experience our time travel with anyone else. Like We can talk about it all we want to, but in order to truly be there with our children, our friends and family it's the present, it's not the future, and it's not the past. I mean, we can talk about, oh, what we did in the past or whatever, but our feelings that like our mind, especially that left side of our brain, tries to like take us on constantly on this time travel journey, it's a very lonely time machine. So um, another thing that I was writing about that I saw um, just a couple pretty churches recently, and I noticed just how their steeples reach high to the sky. And um, you, yeah, that makes sense. You know, humans, like when they're in the depths of despair, they look to heights. They look to heights of hope. And is God and angels are they looking above? Are they above looking down, um, or are they all around us? I mean, I find God's presence on walks where we find heart shaped walnuts or leaves, in our children's smiles or choosing love over fear. And one of my favorite composers is Johann Sebastian Bach. Um, He was a deeply religious man, and many of his pieces reflect this. In addition to his beautiful compositions, he wrote, at a reverent performance of music, God is always at hand with his gracious presence. So um, there's a very familiar song that he had composed um, called The Cello Suite, number one in G major. And I encourage you to listen to it. The cello surrounds you from all angles. It does not have to come down from above, but at the level where we sit. It disperses into your mind as you inhale the sounds and exhale. So when circling the depths of despair, God, in my opinion, meets you where you are. Um, Ask him to carry your load and help you back up. And then... Another option that I wanted to talk about is um, pet therapy. I think that's so important. I, I really feel like during um, the time that I was in the hospital, I would have loved to have that, not only for my child, because I think it's awesome for children. It's so great. But what about for our moms? What about for us and for dads and for family members? We need, a, we need more support. And... Those dogs, I I mean, like I talked to someone who does pet therapy research, and they had said, it's interesting the wording people say. Like they don't say, I want a dog. They say, I need this dog. Like what is it about animals and that connection that can help during those moments? So I want to try to talk to more people about pet therapy. I may have some future um, thoughts on that. Um, But a couple questions for you to reflect on. Has a community you are familiar with ever come together after a stressful event? Do friends or family help when you experience an internal thunderstorm? If not, are you able to turn to your healthcare provider for advice? Um, And is there ever a time you continually scan the horizon for storms? Or was there a time you felt despair? So tough questions, but I, I want to kind of open up that conversation. So let me know your thoughts. Um, And I also wanted to recommend an emotions book that I feel like it's helpful for me to talk with my kids about their feelings. And I really like this book called What Am I Feeling? Dr. Josh Straub and Christy Straub are the authors and illustrators, Jane Butler. But it talks about labeling emotions, and I I think it's just a great read. And I know it's on Amazon. I'm sure it's, you know, in other, uh, like, bookstores and stuff, too. But um, that's all for today. Um, Next week, I am going to have my friend Emily Miller, who um, I went to Yale with in our nursing program. And she is an amazing, amazing person. And I'm so excited to have her with me as a guest to talk about um, all that she has to offer. So... um, Thanks again for listening and be sure to subscribe to my podcast or follow my podcast as well as subscribe to my newsletter. I send monthly updates with just uh, family fun ideas and until next time. hey, okay, thanks y'all.